Welcome, baseball family. Today we have Cody Bellinger has signed Baseball for Beginners and the Orioles Mount Rushmore right now. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome, baseball family, to this week's episode of the Baseball Together podcast. I am Brad. I am here, and I'm also here with our guy Brig. How are you this evening, Brig? I'm awake. How are you, Brad? <laughs> Good. I'm glad one of us is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I love your jersey, the Bad News Bears jersey. That's thank fantastic. you, Chico's Bail Bonds. You know, sponsored this deal. Yeah, that's right. Top tier sponsor. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> Public service announcement before we get started. I can't believe we're at this point, though, Brig. 30 days to opening day. Spring training is in full swing. No pun intended. Spring training games are going. Have you watched any spring training baseball yet, Brig? Nope. Just highlights. I haven't sat down to watch a game. I have watched probably more spring training games already than than I got to all of last year. Wow, that's awesome. Because I felt like last year they weren't on TV at all, but this year already, yeah, more they're going, and I like it. It's good. In fact, yeah. my daughter has already been asking to watch baseball. I don't know how Ooh, she knows yeah. that it's on because there's a lot of things she's not aware of, but for some reason that is one of them, and I'm here for it. So it's cool. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay, let's get into things. Uh, first things, Cody Bellinger has signed. With the Cubs, I think as we all expected, were you expecting him to re-sign with the Cubs, Break? No. You weren't? Where did you think he was going to go? Did you have a place where you thought he was going to go? Or No, I just thought if they were dragging their feet that long, he'd end up somewhere else. And see, I figured that because he hadn't gone anywhere else, he's like, I want to go back. Yeah, I mean, I right? can see that. And maybe they hadn't even spoken to any other team. Just like, this is where I want to be. I This is the best year I've had in a while. There's a reason for that. Well, and that's so I, true. I figured he wanted to stick around. Makes sense. You you make freaking great arguments, Brad. That's what you do. <laughs> well, thank you, Brick. <laughs> so the details on this on this here contract between Cody Bellinger and the Cubs, three years, $80 million. That's a pretty penny for Bellinger, I feel like, at this point. But it comes with oh, yeah. two-player options. He gets an option after the first year, an option after the second year. Mm-hmm. So if he has a killer year, if he's back to MVP form after this year, he's like, I'm going to go get more money. He can opt out. He can go get it. So good for him. Good for him. Um, I'm happy for him. I think that is a great place for him. Um, I know some Mariner fans wanted him in Seattle, and I'm kind of like, he's yeah. good. But at the same, it's one of those things where it's like, I'd rather spend the money somewhere else. I don't know go. where else because I don't want to spend it on Blake Snell, right? Really? And it, oh, you guys so, don't need well, right. I mean, yeah, like yeah, a top three pitching staff in baseball, right? And yeah, it's like right. you need that, but I don't know that I want to overpay for Bellinger because there's always the chance that you get bad Bellinger. You don't want to overpay for that. <clears throat> That's a fact, right? So I don't know. It, to me, it was like high risk, high reward, high money. Didn't necessarily want to go there. I'm glad that he's in Chicago. Um, But so after this happened, after the signing, Scott Boris, Scotty B, as we call him around here, had some stuff to say about why it took so long for Bellinger to get signed and why his other guys are still on the market. Imagine that, Brick. He had thoughts to share. 
Oh, no, you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> this is per USA Today's Bob Nightingale, uh, who is a oh, habitual uh, tweeting typoist, but Bob. has good information. True. True. So this is what Scotty B said. He said, clubs have plenty of money to spend, but they're not spending it in a matter that is customary to competitiveness. It's not that they don't have the ability to pay, but their choice is to regress on their payrolls. Hmm. Do you think he's onto something here, Brig, or do you think he's just saying, pay my guys? I think he's just saying, pay my guys. But I also think that owners can be tight-fisted, you know, at different points and at different times. And it's probably a little bit of both. There's probably a thread of truth to what he's saying. And you might have to reach back or point your finger at one team or another at different points in their progression. But I think ultimately what he's trying to say is get off your haunches and pull out your pocketbook. I think you're right too. And this is the, this is the thing that I, I don't feel like that's necessarily the thing that needs to be done anymore. Cause he's talking about you have to pay to be competitive, which is not, not always the case. It's not always the case. Right? right. Like granted, yes, the Rangers pretty much bought a title last year. Right? They, they sh- it sure worked if that's what it, they did. If we're gonna it call sure it sure worked. And it worked. But what we've seen in the past several years, like the Astros have been the cream of the American League for how many years, Brig, with homegrown mm-hmm. talent. Yeah. Right? They went and got Justin Verlander, they went and got Garrett Cole. The Garrett Cole thing Worked out to a degree. The Justin mm-hmm. Verlander thing has certainly worked out really well for them. Totally. Totally. Right. But their top contributors over the years have been homegrown guys with yep. high priced supplements. Yeah. I feel like what Scott Boris wants to do is he wants, hey, build yourself a super team and pay all my guys to be on it. I know he's not saying that, but that's what it feels like is that he wants yeah. somebody to just open up the pocketbook and bring all these guys in. And yeah. be like, see, this is how you win. But it does. It, last year was an anomaly compared to what we've seen the last ten years of baseball. Well, just look at the Dodgers the last ten years, right? Like, yeah, they've been spending all kinds of money, and it hasn't been working out. So, right, yeah, I, and I and even when they signed Otani, people were like, "Man, that's a whole lot of money for a first round exit." Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> a lot. Of, I, heard, really I heard that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's been the case. And so he had yeah. more to say on this about his guys because we, we're we're used to him wanting like max upon max money for his guys, right? Like yeah. record setting. So he says we're open to all sorts of ideas, short term, long term flex. I can tell you these players are not seeking anything beyond what the existing industry standards are. But my thing with that is that if they were asking, if they weren't asking for anything above industry standards, they would be on a team. What they're asking for is above the current market value. Right. Obviously. I agree. Like that's I that's bad. I you know that, that's the, the issue that I have honest, with all this. The market is fluctuating down. Yes. These big money deals are leaving. I think and we talked about this a couple of years ago. I think it was during the Bryce Harper deal. Uh, when I was begging for them to go out and pull Mike Trout over to Philadelphia as well, I was like, mm-hmm. look, these these massive, you know, 12 and 13 year deals for 300 plus million, they're going to go away. You got to get them in while you can. I thought the CBA would have more to do with it, like directly. 
I still think it has a lot to do with it, but it's been indirect. And now we're seeing what the regional sports networks and all the right, that's the big thing. Broadcasting. Yeah. That's what's going on. It's just been, it's been a mess. But those days are are coming to an end if they're not already over. Yeah, which is really interesting. And I I have some more thoughts on that later. We'll get into it. Okay. But Boris has okay. several guys on the market still. Blake Snell. Matt Chapman and JD Martinez, and actually came out this week that JD Martinez turned down a one-year, fourteen million dollar offer from the Giants. So this is the thing: is like, and Blake Snell turned down what we were, what was said was his only offer with the Yankees. That it's not that these guys aren't getting offers; it's just that they're not up to their liking. And sometimes you might not like the market. But it is what it is, and you got to take what you can get. You know. Well, even one Jordan of the Montgomery I saw, hasn't signed. Yes, right. Yeah, I knew there was one like, more guy I left, I left off the list. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's now but, in discussion with the Red Sox. I don't know. It's fascinating, but that is fascinating. the Red Sox are desperate, right? Like they are desperate, but they're also desperate to be cheap. They don't want to spend money, so I think it's interesting. They're talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, I, you don't have any other offers. I feel like they're, you know, we're going to talk meaningless predictions in a couple of weeks, but I have some thoughts on this year's Boston club. Uh, It's not good. (laughs) It's not good at all. I believe you pretty happy place for me to be. (laughs) It is a happy pace place for Brig to be. All right. There were other signings aside from Cody Bellinger. He was just the big fish that got caught off the market this, uh, this last week. Kika Hernandez has returned to the Dodgers on a one year deal. Um, I think it's kind of funny that they brought in Hernandez and then they traded Manuel Margot. Yeah. As like a corresponding move. I don't understand it. Uh, they traded him to the twins. He'll be a free agent after the 2024 season. And maybe he was just like a throw in with the Glasnow deal. Right. Cause he came maybe. over with Glasnow. Yeah. And the, and the Dodger kind we don't necessarily want him, but I guess we'll take him if you're going to send Glasnow. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know it, and I feel bad for him, and I shouldn't. I I don't know that I should because he's playing baseball regardless, right? But he looked awfully True. happy in Dodger Blue the other day when I saw him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Walking like did. the dude just had the biggest grin walking around the spring training <laughs> facility. I was like, man, that guy is happy to be here, and I love it. Mm-hmm. And now he's got to go out to Florida and go play for the Twins, which I hope he has a great year. I like Margot. Yeah, I do too. I I agree with that. Uh, Brandon Crawford is another guy who signed. He signed with the Cardinals. The details of the contract at this point of recording are not known. He still has to right. do the physical. But the dude's 37 years old, and he's expected to back up Mason Wynn at shortstop until Tommy Edmond recovers from surgery. Like, why is Brandon Crawford at 37 years old? Yes, he had a bad year last year. Yeah. But why is he signing a deal with a team to be a backup at 37 years old. I mean, I guess Brad, it's, a, it's a big league deal, right? So he's not, it's not a minor league deal. So it's a big league deal, but like, I don't understand at his age, why he wants to go in and be a backup somewhere. Uh, you it's, listen, you're asking the wrong question. Okay. What is the question I should be asking? The question is why didn't San Francisco resign him? I know he I had a know. bad deal. I know he had a or a bad year, but what what were the terms of his last year? He's been with them his entire career, right? Yeah. So 
like yeah what? i'm pretty sure i'm gonna double check it right now yeah i was trying to double check too but i'll filibuster for a minute the dude's 37 uh he's a mainstay in san francisco he's beloved yep. by the fans right he's been there the whole time yeah and they don't they can't bring him back for one for one year if he's going to go out and get one year somewhere else to potentially end up being the third string shortstop because that's what it's looking well, like as soon as this Tommy is the thing to think back, about this though i mean I, I know he can play some first base right especially yeah, yeah. at his age yeah but yeah at <laughs> third string shortstop how many teams carry a third string or third string yeah, shortstop? that's what i'm saying right? like edmund comes back he's probably going to get cut exactly Exactly. He's gonna get DFA'd. Like, why would you go put yourself in that situation? You, oh, I can back up. I can go back up Goldie at first. Maybe don't need it. We don't you need plat- it. You might be able to platoon on platoon on his day off. Platoon at DH. DH, yeah. But really, though, like, he's not a utility guy. He doesn't no. have the range to play second base. Maybe he could play. I may he could play third base. Maybe that's what he's going to do. Maybe after Maybe. Edmund comes back, he is going to be utility infielder, and they're just going to have to shift guys over to second base if they need. I don't know. But if you can't play second base, you can't play shortstop. So I know it's a business, right? Yeah. And I got it, but it just seems like such, like from the fans' perspective. It just feels like a betrayal from the Giants to not keep Crawford in. If you're going to send him to St. Louis to be a backup guy, you tell me you can't keep him in San Francisco and be a backup guy for one year and platoon him at DH here and there. What is going on? That's yeah. if I'm a fan, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you're right. Like if he's going to play this role in San, in St. Louis, why can't why couldn't he have done it in San Francisco? And why can't he then retire right off into the sunset? You know, we don't need to retire his number or anything, but he could have been a San Francisco Giant forever. Maybe they didn't want to have to DFA him. They'd rather they'd rather let him walk in free agency. Well, okay, I can see that argument. Okay, okay, because yeah, they might know, not have wanted to make have to make the tough evil. decision with him. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, they'd rather tear off the bandaid now. But I don't know. It's an interesting situation. That's I like that. I will be following this much closer than I anticipated that I would have been. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To see what happens end of March, beginning of April. Uh, Last one we have here. Tim Anderson signed with the Marlins. One year, $5 million. First off, I'm furious about this. Absolutely furious. The Mariners needed a second baseman. Yeah. And yes, traded for Jorge Polanco. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. But like, could have gotten, uh, could have gotten Tim Anderson for five million dollars one year. There's like no risk in this contract. Yep. Zero. None. That is, relatively speaking, I know five million dollars for me is so expensive, but for these teams, five million dollars <laughs> is not a big deal. Like this year and next. So we've got Polanco. On the hook for ten and a half million this year, and then a team option for twenty twenty five at twelve million dollars, right? And he's been regressing year over year. And I know Tim Anderson right. had a terrible year last year, right? I understand that but was not so good. did Got every worse White after. Sox. Yes, everybody <laughs> in the clubhouse had a career had a worse year last year. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that's an anomaly right now. Yeah, 
So this is what I think is going to happen with Tim Anderson, though, Brig. At $5 million, one-year deal, he is not going to finish the season with the Marlins. He's going to get traded and absolutely yeah. like flipped for a haul at the oh, deadline. Yeah. He's going to be playing for a contender. Oh, yeah. 100%. And he's gonna walk and he's gonna walk into the season in Miami with a chip on his shoulder and he's gonna earn himself that spot. You just watch. Yeah. Yeah, You're he's exactly gonna have right. a killer spree. Yeah. I don't know. It's bonkers though. Like I was just furious when I saw how cheap the Marlins got him for. Because <laughs> yeah. the Mariners should have. All right, moving well, on. A lot of people should have. A lot of people should have. Yeah. The fact that he, totally. they were the only team that offered him was unreal. Okay, moving on. Okay. The MLB uniform fiasco continues. This is getting sure worse does. by the day, it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked last week about uh, about how the uniforms looked cheap, the, the screen print. I stand by it, though, Brig. Like, what I said about, like, the screen printing being flexible, moving with you, and not being as hot. Like, I stand by that part of it. Because pretty much every shirt I own is like this one that I'm wearing right now. Right. Because they're comfortable, because it moves with me and it's flexible and it's light, breathes anyway. But the problem that they're having now is the pants. The pants are like see-through. They're see-through. If, ha- if you haven't seen it, <laughs> that's insane. Now look, you shouldn't be able look, to see the guy's jersey through his pants. I've heard that the apologetics are are coming out and saying, no, 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 no. That's under hot studio lighting, right? That's under intense photography game day or uh you know like media day lighting and i'm like okay fine well then explain the ones on the field well (laughs) even then even then though brig like when you're testing this stuff out test it in this situation yeah like you should you should know every situation these pants are going to be worn and be like hey they're going to be taking pictures in these what does it look like under studio lighting yeah 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 because they're going to (laughs) be running promos and they're gonna do all this kind of stuff. They shouldn't have to shoot from the belt up. Yeah. Every single time. And it's unreal. It's so <laughs> weird. It's so weird. And and so there are some other things that have come out about this. Aside, aside from the fact that they're see-through and not leaving much the ima- imagination. Everybody's coming to the play with a 2-0 count. Um, <laughs> players have players don't have the option to have them tailored to their preferences. Teams don't have enough pants. How do you not have enough pants? Like they're reusing right. pants from last year. Brick, yeah. This is a problem that a failing league has. Yeah, yeah. That you don't have enough pants for guys. Not the premier league in the world. No, not the premier baseball league in the world. A failing league has uniform problems where they don't have enough. Their pants are see-through. The material is shoddy. And players are complaining about things four, five, four weeks before the season starts. Right, and the league's going well. Look at the supplier, and the or look at the designer, and the designer's going well. Look at the supplier, and the supplier's going well. Look at the designer because we're going off the specs they gave us. Yep, everybody's pointing fingers at one another. Nobody wants to own it. But (laughs) the one thing that Major League Baseball did own was they said, "Well, we decided to move the logo down on the back," and and unfortunately, that has made the lettering and the numbers smaller. No, it made the numbers and the lettering lower. Not smaller. Well, it did. It made it. It did make it smaller. Have you? So, have you? No, noticed, I've seen this them. One thing, this is one thing I've noticed watching games: is the font is itty bitty on those names. I know, but listen, listen, think about it though. Okay. If well, yeah, you and have, we talked about how everything's lower, how it looks bootleg. It's bootleg because it's lower. But if you have an image here and you have an image here, and you move it down, 
this image doesn't need to change size. <laughs> so I got, I understand that the that the Batterman logo was moved down under the collar stitch, right? I got it. But that does not change the necessity of the box you're able to fit everything else in. You could so, still have the words big and broad across the shoulders, man. So don't so, give me that. That's a line of bull, you Brad. Though, you can't though, Brick. You can't because you only have so much Why? space to work with on the back. Because you know what I saw today while I was watching a game? What Somebody's number was just about tucked into the back of their pants. Oh, I'm it was not so surprised. low. Yeah. You got to make it smaller. Okay. So they've made the okay. name smaller to account for that. The numbers are still big, but the name is smaller because they're yeah. going to pick something. So that's why the name is tiny. The numbers are still the same size. Right, right, right. The name, it's its all bad, dude. It looks so stupid. And it's so cheap looking. Ugh. Yeah, and it looks, it looks worse on TV than I thought it was going to. Oh, my God. Like, just awful it's like so the, bad i don't i don't know what they're gonna do about it and like you have a you have a thing there says why is nike so silent in all this aside from the fact that they're like pointing a finger at fanatics like own your mistake this is your doing this is yeah. you nike and i know everybody's like oh bring back majestic well majestic i don't it was I don't good think that's the answer right i don't think that's the answer either because if you go, if you just go back to Majestic, what you're going to get is you're going to get those old heavy, yeah, jerseys, and nobody wants that, right? They're they're wanting future, like I don't want to say material of the future, but progressive right. materials yeah. because it is yeah. it is lighter, it does breathe, and it's more flexible. Yeah, right. That's what that's what they're going to want. So I don't think Majestic is the answer, but Nike no. needs to own up and be like, you know what, this we'll fix a bad it. idea. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go back to everything that we did last year. Exactly. We will be producing around the clock to make sure everybody has what they need for opening day and then some. And we're going to spend another year or two working on this to get it right, to get it yep. exactly right how we want it. Here's the thing, though. These have been in the works since 2018. You're telling me in the last handful of years they haven't put this in front of studio lighting? They didn't have a model walk around in them or slide on infield dirt and see if they're not going to tear. Like what, if they're so testing it this, that way, they would be able to test it these other ways. Right. So I think maybe what they had done, because this, this is probably the way I would have thought about this. Okay. okay. In, in testing is okay. What do baseball players wear when they're playing baseball? Most guys are going to have some kind of sliding short underneath their pants. What color are those? Mm, typically white. Right. White or black, okay. Under under their pants, right? Yeah, not white. The ones I always I always had white growing up. Oh, white no. sliding Mine pants. Have always been dark. Okay, really? I yeah. didn't really came anyway. I guess I did know, but I didn't know I always bought white. But anyway, so you walk around, have somebody walk around wearing white sliding pants, thinking maybe that's what they're gonna wear. But there are guys who wear dark. Put those on underneath. See what that looks like. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. gonna have to do photo shoots. Okay, they're probably not wearing the sliding pants. Just put some boxers on underneath that. Put some boxer briefs on under that. Tuck a shirt down. Let's see what it looks like. Yep. It's so stupid. Did you see what Under Armour said after this during this whole thing? Yes. (laughs) Give that intern a job because it was amazing. 
Yeah, they for those of you who didn't see, they just tweeted out a picture or they posted a picture of like from Dick's sporting goods of just yeah. like Under Armour baseball pants. Said we yeah. got you covered. They're not yeah. see through. <laughs> yeah. Literally, we got you covered is yeah. what it said. Not just like, hey, we got it taken care of. Like we yeah. got you covered. We, it was a yeah, perfect double you. entendre. I loved it. It was. Here's the was thing amazing. that I so MLB. Okay, never mind. I gotta stop. I'm gonna stop now. I just think no, I'm not gonna stop, Brad. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna say, don't stop. This. Go, go. I'm just gonna get on this because I'm so <laughs> mad. I gotta go back to the Batterman logo on the back of the uniform. Okay. This the logo somewhere somebody has come out and said MLB took responsibility for moving the Batterman yeah. logo. Yeah, yeah. Okay? And then the speculation around that has become, well, MLB wants more front-facing, more forward-facing their brand, right? The MLB brand. And my problem is, if that's prime real estate on the uniform, then shouldn't it go to the uniform or of the team into the player's name? Because the team plus the player is the brand. That's how I see it. The team plus the player, that's the brand. Major League Baseball is an umbrella. To me, they're a governing body. Yes, they're interested in marketing the game. They're interested in bringing the younger generation into the fandom. That's what we want to do, right? They're interested in the longevity and the health and the heartbeat of the game, but they're not the brand. The brand is the talent on the field, and the name of the uniform on the front of the jersey. That and then and that's it. So why are we putting the Batterman logo lower so they can have more face time with the fans? You know like, what this you know what this it. goes into, Brig? You know what this comes back to? Yeah. Is Go the ahead. thing that we've been talking about for years is that Major League Baseball has a marketing problem. Yeah. A tremendous marketing problem that their priorities are all out of whack. They're like, we need to get our logo more prominent on the jersey. No, you know what? That oh. spot on the top, that is a perfect place for the league league logo. You know perfect. what was another spot, another perfect spot? It was right on the sleeve. Right here. That was another great spot for it. You know perfect. what's not a perfect spot? Disrupting the player's name. I no. everybody knows. Everybody knows this guy is a big leaguer. Plays for major league, plays in major league baseball. Everybody knows. You need to market your players and the yep. teams they play for. Yeah, that in turn will market your league. Yes, and those players, when they're on the field, need to look like they are playing in the top tier premier baseball league in the world, yeah, and not like a Saturday beer league softball league. Correct. That's overall. Entire- this is a major league baseball marketing problem. The entire thing is embarrassing. Out of control. It's embarrassing. It is, truly. Okay. So you know what's better than some baseball, though, Brig? More baseball. Expansion. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Let's bring two more teams into this mess. (laughs) Welcome. We've got sure wings. You want it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's been speculation that there are two front runners. The two front runners have emerged in the expansion race. Uh, one of them is Nashville. We called this five years ago when we first started, yeah, started like talking about this. Yeah, 100 years ago. Yeah. 
for sure. Yeah. Um, absolutely makes sense. But the one that we didn't call that we thought didn't make a lot of sense, but it's starting to actually make more sense as things progress because there's a legitimate plan in place and they're pushing really, really, really hard for it is Salt Lake City. Yeah, they are. Pretty and cool. I am a little bit like I didn't see that coming. No, um, not even a little bit. But uh, so I kept my thing with, with Salt Lake was I kept saying there's not the corporate money. There's not the corporate money there. But this is the thing is that I keep forgetting about Silicon Slopes. Yeah. There's a lot of money down there. One yeah. dude who grew up playing junior jazz rec league basketball yeah. is now a billionaire and had enough money to buy the team outright. Yeah. If there's that kind of money down there, there is more money like that. And the Millers, who oh. previously owned the Jazz, have put together a massive three and a half billion dollar proposal to turn what they're calling the Power District. It's an area actually my dad used to work in this area. Oh yeah. When I was a wee lad, uh, they're going to turn this whole area into a like a entertainment and shopping complex and have the baseball stadium be the focal point of all of it. And yep. they want to put a team right there. It is not far from downtown. Easy right. to get to, and there's I'm pretty sure that there's a light rail stop that's gonna be and right there. Train, it's not there right? already. Doesn't, doesn't the train already go through there? And that's what I'm saying. The light rail, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like right there. So it's easy, super easy to get to. For sure. So it could really work out. I, um I think it's there, awesome. Yeah, I think it'll be really cool. There are other there are other teams in the mix, Brig. You want to talk about some of these teams? Yeah, so the other teams in the mix are Charlotte, Vegas, Montreal, Portland, Sacramento, and San Antonio. And I got a couple of details here that I think are interesting that have come up to support uh, these these other team names or locations. So Charlotte, Vegas, both have AAA facilities already. So does Sacramento. Portland has a high-A club. San Antonio has a double A club and obviously Montreal hasn't had any baseball there since the Expos left, which is just terrible. Montreal has the highest Metro population of the teams in this group to include Nashville and Salt Lake city. Um, the, uh, Salt Lake city has the smallest Metro area by population size. It's the least populated Metro area on Despite this list. their best efforts. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they are they're gonna like blow into that mountain trying to create more real estate in that valley yeah <laughs> or they're gonna drain the lake i don't know what they're yeah, i was gonna say they're gonna have to drain the, one of the lakes <laughs> so many more people in that valley but there just is not the real estate space for it there's not there's and that's why places like mount pleasant are expanding dramatically mm-hmm. and when i was coming up mount pleasant was like the boonies man Right. Like yeah, nothing happened lives, out there. <laughs> where my sister lives down there was like cow pastures. And now it's yeah. so densely populated. It's bananas out there. So Nashville and Salt Lake, obviously they have AAA facilities there. Um, and just to give you a context of the Metro population, Nashville has 1.27 million people populating their Metro area. And Milwaukee has the lowest metro area by population in major league baseball at 1.56 million so they're already holding a major league club in milwaukee at 1.56 nashville only has 1.27 so Hmm. just to give you an idea maybe it's salt lake i think it's salt lake actually has 1.27 i maybe put that in the wrong spot but 
Now let's go down and see what other what these t these cities. Wow, I can talk. Well, today. hold on. Let's let's look at these real quick because I think I think we could honestly cross some of these off the list. Yeah, right. Let's do that. Like, I think we can take Vegas off the list because they're likely going to get the A's. And if they right? don't, I don't think they'll get a major league club. Let's be honest. Right. And I think that <laughs> I think if they don't, it's because baseball is going to want to punish them a for making that that what that super easy deal with the A's, right? That yeah. sweetheart deal with the A's making that totally. fall through. Yeah. And they're just like, no, we're not going to come, not this time around, because yeah. you couldn't make that happen. You can't make this happen. Right. So I think that's a problem. Montreal. I think there's a reason baseball got out of Montreal. And I think some of it has to do with language because I've heard Samson talk about this. David Samson talks yeah. about talk about this. Is there's there's a language issue? I think there was a a currency issue in Montreal that they don't have in Toronto. I don't know for sure, but I think that was mm. part of it. That there were some there were some logistical problems with having a team in Montreal that then they were just kind of like we got to get this team out of here. So that's I I think you can take Montreal off the list uh, for that reason. Portland, I think. So originally they were going to have a stadium down on the river, like a really small stadium down on the river on the Willamette. And I was like, yeah. okay, that's fine, but that's going to be terrible. Absolutely awful to get to. But then when they're pitching around right. the idea of like going out to Hillsborough, Tigard, Beaverton, that area, I'm like, okay, that makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah. That's That'd what you said great. last week too. Yeah. yeah. Because they've got, and they've got the Hillsborough hops out there. If they're out there by that team, that yeah. could work out really, really well. Yeah. You know, but again, I, I worry about the corporate money in in Portland unless Phil Knight buys the team, then they're fine. Yeah. You know, then the team will be in Beaverton and they'll be amazing. Um, Sacramento. If the A's leave, I see this. That's the only reason I see that happening. If the A's were to leave, that's the only time I could see a team in Sacramento. That's exactly how I feel. And then I think like it, it doesn't would be make cool any have- sense. Yeah, I think it would be cool to have a, a baseball team in, in San Antonio so we can have the Texas Triangle in baseball as well. That'd be cool. Yeah, I think that would be really I cool. I like the Texas Triangle in basketball, but I don't think it would happen. I don't think it's – they're certainly not in the front runners uh, no. discussion here. Now, if – Salt Lake City is the farthest from any other Major League Baseball team. They've got Denver. It's like 500-something miles away. It's mm-hmm. the farthest. Um, the Sacramento is the nearest to another MLB city. Well, they're San right Francisco. there with San Francisco yeah. and Oakland. It's like so. 80 miles or something. Like yeah, that. it's, it's close. Like and, that, and that's why I don't, that's why if the, if the A's were to end up staying, I don't, I wouldn't see Sacramento if they go possibly, but I think the Giants would just be like, now the market is ours. Yeah, exactly. Right. I think I think if Nashville or Salt Lake were to fall through, I think that the next best option, the one that makes the most sense, is Charlotte. Oh yeah, we've been saying that time yeah. immemorial. We said man. that with, yeah, we said that with Nashville way back, way back when. Yeah. But I don't think now, that they before, want to expand two teams right there. Before we move past this, just because there's a little aside going on, uh, in 2004 the Montreal Expos ended their 35 year time right? tenure tenure. Thank you, Brad. <laughs> You're good at this time. The tenure. And, uh, we, we are now going to get a documentary. Netflix is putting together a documentary about Montreal's baseball team. 
and why they left, specifically addressing the downfall of the franchise before they moved to Washington. So that got announced like four or five days ago or six days ago yeah. or something like that. Yeah, that'll be cool. That'll be really interesting to watch and to see how much language and currency played into that. Mm-hmm. It was. It'll be interesting to see if Samson's involved. I think he's I mean, got to be. He's the one who sold the team. Exactly. So it'll be like if he's not on camera, I'm going to be a little bit worried. Yeah. And I'll be questioning everything as well. Yeah. Suddenly I'll be like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last thing before we take a break. This is just a quick one. Um, we all know Stephen A. Smith for with ESPN. Yeah. Um, some of us get very angry at him because he has really strong takes with strong ideas about things. But my world, I don't know, I don't want to say it was flipped, but it was changed a little bit. My perspective was changed a little bit because he's a soap opera actor, apparently. My mom <laughs> told me about this the other day. She's like, did you know? I was like, no. She's like, yeah, he's uh-huh. been off and on for a few years, and now he's he's a mobster, plays the role of a mobster on General Hospital. Uh, and then lately, I guess they brought in a love interest for him, so I think he's going to have a bigger role. So. Wait, 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 wait. He's still doing this? Oh, yeah, dude. This is like recent. This video clip right here. What? I thought yeah. it was like, you know, before he made it to ESPN. No, this was like last oh. week. Oh. <laughs> when you told me about it, I was like, oh, oh so we this all is come this... from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, so my mom has reached the point where she's retired. So what she does is she sits around all day making quilts and watching her stories. And yeah. then that's when she said she told me about this. I was like, well, that's really interesting. And this is like, this is recent. She's like, yeah, they yeah, recently yeah. just brought in a love interest for him. And I was like, holy crap. So he's doing <laughs> ESPN and soap operas right now. Whoa. So, but Brig, my big takeaway from this is, first off, the man's got range because he's super laid back and kind of a little bit scary in this. I watched a couple of clips. I was like, it was fascinating. Okay. Uh, but the other thing yeah. is the man is an actor. So baseball family when he insults your team or your preferences in sports don't take it too personally because he is playing a role he's playing a character he is acting so just brush it aside i know it's hard sometimes but just brush it aside and let it go because he's doing a bit that's a good take brad that's all it is that's all it is just a bit he's an actor an actor if you will (laughs) and scene but before we cut the scene rig Let's talk about Chinook seeds. One thing we like to ask our guests about uh, when they come on is their favorite sunflower seed flavor. Well, we have some favorites around here. Mine, I actually had some uh, smokehouse barbecue today. Fantastic. Brig, your favorite is still? Parmesan and pepper, baby. For the rest of time. But you can get other flavors like original jalapeno ranch, um, hatch chili, lemon pepper, cinnamon toast, and, of course, dill pickle. Go to ChinookSeedery.com and use code BTPOD at checkout. To save 10% on your order and support the show while you're doing it. Again, that's ChinookCedary.com with code BTPOD to save 10% off your order. And we'll be right back with some baseball for beginners. Welcome, baseball family. We are going to get into baseball for beginners. And one of the first things we think you ought to know if you're introducing baseball to a, a new fan or a person in your life is you ought to know the positions. So we're going to go through and we're going to name them. Then we're going to show you where they are on the field. And then we're going to tell you how the number sequencing works in baseball. It's for scorecard keeping, but it's also good to know when you're watching TV and listening on the radio. So there's first, we have the pitcher and the catcher. 
Okay. First base, second base, third base, shortstop. Then we have left field, center field, and right field. Those are the nine positions that make up the players on the baseball field at any given time. That is the defense. Offense stands at the plate and tries to hit the ball. Defense puts the ball in play with the pitcher throwing to the catcher. Here's a graphic for those of you watching, just to give you an idea of where these position players typically find themselves arrayed around the field. We've got the pitcher there in the center of the diamond. That's represented by the star. The catcher is the wider star at or behind home plate on this graphic. We've got four circles on the infield representing moving counterclockwise. First base, second base, third base, or shortstop, and then third base. And then if we're going to move clockwise through the outfield, we start the left side is left field, center field is in the middle, right field is toward the right on in this graphic on the bottom. Now, something that I, I know is can be difficult for new fans especially, and I, I see this all the time with kids who are getting introduced to the game, is they get confused between left field and right field because when you're standing on the field, left field is on your right side, left, right field is on your left side, right? But it's all based on what the batter sees. If the batter is hitting the ball to left field, they're hitting it to the batter's left. So the batter is standing on home plate, left field goes out to the batter's left, right field goes out to the batter's right. And so... Everything is based off of that perspective, and that's why that's why you get left field where it is. And 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 I, I think the, the confusion is absolutely understandable as well. It is understandable for sure. 100%. But if you orient yourself at the plate, then you get left and right. Third yeah. base is down the left field line toward mm-hmm. left field. First base is up the yeah. right field line toward right field. That's how that works. Okay. Right. So let's talk about how these positions are numbered because what you're going to see a lot of times is like if you're looking at a scorecard, you look at your team's starting lineup, you're going to see everybody's name and their position where they're batting in the order. And sometimes they'll show RF for right field, CF for for center field, 1B for first base, everything like that. But sometimes they'll show numbers. And so this is where this comes into play with the numbers. So the pitcher is 1, the catcher is 2, the first baseman is three. Short, or sorry, second baseman is four. Third base is five, and then shortstop is six. That's your entire infield. It it's odd that it's it can be tough to keep track of as you go from second base to third base, four to five, and then shortstop six. But yeah. that's just the way it's numbered: is the bases, and then the shortstop is a little bit of a rover there on the left side of the infield. And then you've got left field is seven, center field is eight right field is nine and so what you'll hear sometimes on the radio or on tv sometimes you hear a guy on a ground ball to third base where the third baseman throws the ball to first base to get the out you'll hear five three put out that's because it's position five throwing the ball to position three to get the out at first base and so that's where that comes from that's why you'll hear that sometimes and that's where the numbering system comes into play a lot of times too the other thing that you'll hear this sequence happens a lot and it's very exciting so you hear on the radio or on television a 6-4-3 double play. That means that the batter at the home plate put the ball into play. It went to the shortstop, number six. That number six player threw the ball to the number four player at second base, who then threw the ball to the number three position player at first base. And by doing so, they get two runners out at the same time in the same play. And that's a six. When you hear 6-4-3, that's what that means. The sixth position player threw it to the fourth position player who threw it to position number three. And 
sometimes what you'll see too is probably people wearing t-shirts six plus four plus three equals two equals two that's where that comes from now you those know of you who don't know and now you do so baseball family if there are any other things you want to learn about with baseball for beginners if you're having a hard time explaining something to a, a family member who's just getting into baseball or a friend who's a new fan let us know we want to do a bunch of these we want to do them a ton because uh, we have people in our lives who are either a new to baseball or b just don't understand some of the in-depth parts of the game so we want to teach them we'll teach you we'll teach everybody we'll learn together it'll be a great time we'll have tons of fun doing it so we're going to take a quick break when we get back we're going to get into the baltimore orioles mount rushmore welcome back baseball family before we get into the baltimore orioles mount rushmore brig has a public service announcement brig take it away Thank you, sir. Just to make it very clear and a quick reminder that based on the research I have conducted, it appears that T-Mobile will be once again giving us free baseball this year. That will no longer, I don't think, be in the T-Mobile Tuesdays app. You're going to have to go to the T-Life. You have to go through T-Life. That is also, I don't know what that is. This is new to me. But it does appear that it's going to happen. It usually comes like a week or two before the season starts. That's March 28th, so we've got some time. But all signs point to free baseball via T-Mobile again. You're welcome. Thanks, T-Mobile. Can confirm. Can't tell you how I know, but can confirm. Bingo. I don't want to know. There's that. Okay. All right, so this week we're doing uh, one of our another of our Mount Rushmores because it's going to be that time of year where we get into these. Um, so this time we are to the Baltimore Orioles. Brig is going to go through and give us a little bit of history about the team. I will share where the team name comes from and a little bit about the colors too. So go ahead, take it away, Brig. Yes, we're excited. Okay, so the Baltimore Orioles have been around for 123 seasons since the dawn of time. They began in 1901. They continue to this day. They have, nothing has changed. Well, lots has changed, but they're still a franchise. <laughs> Literally, so much has changed. <laughs> lots. Okay, so <laughs> their win-loss record sits at a 474, with 9,029 losses and 10,013 wins. Playoff appearances: 15, seven pennant wins. Three world championships. That's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to wait till the end. Tell you more. So it's crazy. So you, you say 1901, right? Yeah. They were originally the Milwaukee Brewers in 1901. Yep. And then they became, that was only for one year. And then they became the St. Louis Browns until 1953. And then they were the Baltimore Orioles, which is super crazy. Because they're the original Baltimore Orioles are now, do you know? No. The New York Yankees. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did know that. That was like also 100 years ago. That's like Maybe. the weirdest thing to me. It's so weird. Because the Yankees have been around forever. You think that they just like started, right? That maybe so, they were the Yonkers batsmen and then they were evolved into the New York oh, Yankees. But no, they were the Baltimore Orioles and then they were the New York Yankees. And then the the Milwaukee Brewers became the St. Louis Browns who became the Baltimore Orioles. But then right. the Seattle Pilots who were in the in Seattle for one year became the Milwaukee Brewers. It's so weird, Brick. It's crazy. It's, don't forget the New York Highlanders, right? That's right. kind of one of the original. Anyway, never mind. So... 
Um, <laughs> it's so crazy. Can I talk about so, where the team name came from real quick? Please do. Yeah, I was just going to. Yes. Okay. Yes, so there's a couple things. So, um, like I said, the team moved from St. Louis in 1954. And after relocating, they decided to adopt the name the Orioles because teams in Baltimore and Maryland have been using the Oriole as their team name because it's the state bird since 1882 so i wasn't kidding when i say the dawn of time since the beginning of like super organized baseball pretty much teams have been the baltimore orioles and so um they just they took this team because they're this team name because everybody else has been and in case you're curious brig this is what a baltimore oriole sounds like That is an actual Baltimore Oriole. No, no. That is high-class entertainment. (laughs) (laughs) I did not know you were going to do that. That was absolutely (laughs) phenomenal. So that's what a Baltimore Oriole sounds like. Uh, I was actually curious because I've never heard it. Uh, At least I don't know that I've ever heard it. But anyway, um, so one thing that's cool is that the colors, the black and the orange, uh, actually part of it, a big part of it comes from the color of an Oriole, right? You see it on the on the logo all the time, the black and the orange. But also some of it comes from the coat of arms of Lord Baltimore, by the by. What? This is the coat of arms of Lord Baltimore. Let me read you a little bit about uh, Lord Baltimore. I think I closed it, but I can pull it up real quick. You better pull it up real quick because you got me totally on the hook, Brad. Yeah, so Cecil Calvert, second Baron Baltimore, uh, he was the first proprietor of Maryland. He was born in 1605, and so he was in he was in Maryland in the 1600s. And his coat of arms is where actually the Maryland flag comes from. Whoa! Yeah, that's what this is, and that's why wow. you see that on the inside of their City Connect and yeah. all that stuff, and all over the place. Which I think is the coolest state flag in the country, by the way. Oh, yeah, it's fabulous. I love it. Probably because it's been around since the 1600s when people cared about stuff like that. You're right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that's where the Orioles come from. A lot of fun. That's And now you know what an Oriole sounds like as well. I mean, I I am better for having heard (laughs) that. I really am. And I will tell you, I will tell you that on top of that, uh, I didn't know I was playing double A ball until now. Like, <laughs> you've, you've raised the bar. <laughs> Thought we'd go big leagues on this one, Brig. I mean, yeah. A dude, team with totally. 120 plus years of history. <laughs> you got to pay some respect to it. But anyway. You do. You do. Okay. Yeah. Um, why don't you lead us off, Brig, with your first Mount Rushmore nominee for the Orioles? Okay. All right. I'm certain we're going to overlap on at least two of these, if not three. Let's get some of this out of the way. All right. So my guy, my first guy, two-time MVP, rookie of the year, 19-time All-Star, home run derby champion, 1983 World Series, two-time gold glove, eight-time silver slugger, two-time All-Star MVP, two-time Major League Player of the Year, He spent all 21 seasons of his career in Baltimore as an Oriole. He broke Lou Gehrig's consecutive game 
streak. It's Cal Ripken Jr. You can't beat it. It's got to be number one. He does. He's absolutely the top. And it's funny because I've heard Cal Ripken called a compiler, and sometimes I will make that argument just for fun, just to be a troll. But it does require a certain level of ability to play through injury, durability, all of it, to be able to play that many games in a row. And the Mm -hmm. fact that he was the MVP, the league at the AL MVP on a team that won the World Series. Yep. That's a really big deal. Because that's and that was his third season. That was his third season as a player in the league. Yeah. Yeah. He goes 23 games in 81. Then he plays a full 160 in 82, where he wins rookie of the year and is number 30 on the MVP voting. So he still got a little attention there anyway. Then in 83, he leads the league in games, plate appearances, at-bats, runs, hits, doubles, all the way over to an all-star appearance, an MVP, and a, a Silver Slugger award. His I third look at year that in the shortstop league. award. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, it should be. It's a SS. <laughs> but it's so it's so it's so weird to think about this this version of Cal Ripken because not only did he lead the league in doubles in forty seven, but he also hit twenty seven home runs. He hit twenty home runs every at least twenty year twenty home runs every year until nineteen ninety two when he hit fourteen, and then he hit twenty again in ninety three, and then he hit twenty six again in ninety six. Yeah. He never hit fewer than 10 in a full season. Mm-mm. And it's it's weird to think about who 80s Cal Ripken was because I saw 90s Cal Ripken. Same. Of like a doubles guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hitting for average and just playing every day. Slap hitter, yeah, for sure. With the man of many batting stances as well. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I didn't he could know. Do anything, though. Yeah, I didn't know until we started doing this that he actually won the home run derby in '91. Yeah, no idea, no clue. The dude's the man. I mean, he's just the man, and you can't snub a guy as a compiler when he was an all star in one, two, three, four, five, six, his last six seasons. So he's right. 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, and 40. And he's well, he still played 20. All-star. He played. He played 21 years, and he made 19 all-star teams. So, yeah. Am I reading that right? It's 19. Yeah. 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 So I don't so. I don't want to hear the compiler crap. Right. Oh, and this is the thing, too, is in order for a guy to be able to rack up that many games in a row, he's got to be good enough to play. There was nobody yeah. who came behind him at shortstop who or third base, and they were like, you know, maybe it's time for us to move Cal. It never happened. Yeah. Never. It he never had to ever take happened. Out. Yeah. At 40 years old. Yeah. <laughs> still an all-star. <laughs> yeah. He still he made it into the Hall of Fame with 537 votes out of a possible 545. I don't know who the handful of curmudgeons there, but they had some poopy pantsery going on during the voting process. Or they probably because... felt like he was a compiler for playing so many games in a row. You think and... even after 10 years so this this so this is funny this is a funny thing to me break so guys 
<laughs> you hear people complain about players taking days off now, like, oh, guys only play 140 games now. They don't play 162 yeah. like they used to. But then yeah. you got, I'm sure, I'm sure, Brig, some of those eight guys were like, oh, Cal Ripken never took a day off. Let a guy behind him get a chance. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're probably right. You can't have it both ways, sir. Yeah, you you're damned if you do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So right. listen, listen, it gets better, though. His career averages, these these are terrific. His on-base percentage is 340, slugging 447, OPS 788, right? He's But the best one is he has a 95.9 war over his career. He was a positive impact player every time. Right. And he never big, had. Never had a down year. Never. Never had a down year, ever. Nope. In 20 full seasons, never had a down year. And That's offensively and defensively, he never went in the negative. Not one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So Cal Rifkin, absolutely deserving of the number one spot in uh, in the Orioles, Mount Rushmore. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Okay. All right. There's our crossover times one. Let's see what happens the yep. next time. You go. Okay. My next guy, he's a little bit farther down on their top 24 players on baseball reference, right? Because he's got a (laughs) career war of 82.8. Okay, but he split time. Most of his career, and I would say his best years, were spent with the Orioles. Okay. Um, He never won a Cy Young. I argue that he probably should have. Uh, Hall of Famer, though, five-time All-Star, seven-time Gold Glove. And all those all-stars came in Baltimore. This yep. guy is Mike Mussina. Yep. And I can see why somebody be like, no, nah, there were other guys in front of him who deserve it more. But for me, having grown up like <laughs> as a fan of a West Coast team, a kid growing up on the West Coast, if yep. I saw that Mike Mussina was pitching on a Wednesday night on ESPN, I was moving, I was leaving my friend's house and coming to watch Mike Mussina pitch. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding you, Brig. I was a huge awesome. Mike Mustina fan, and I was sorely disappointed when he went and played for the Yankees. Sorry, buddy. That's just the way it went. But yeah, but no, he had his definitely had his best years in Baltimore, and they were absolutely outstanding. Led the league in '95 with four shutouts. Um, was, led the league with starts in '96 with 36, and he won. He didn't ever win 20 games, but at the same time, though, those Baltimore teams that he played on, some of them weren't very – they were fine, but they weren't great. Yeah, right? yeah, if yeah. he'd been playing on better teams at the time, I'm sure that he would have had several 21 seasons. For sure. Especially back then, you know, because that's like – but he did have one, two – he had two 19-win seasons, a couple 18-win seasons. He got really close a few times, but like I said, had he been on better teams, I think that he'd have, he'd have gotten 20 wins. Did he ever win a Cy Young with Baltimore? No, never won a Cy Young. He had um, his uh, what first full year in the first full year in the league. He finished fourth, um, yeah. and then he finished fourth again in '94, fifth in '95, '96, sixth in '97, mm-hmm. runner up in '99. So he came close a lot. Even his last year as a Yankee, he was sixth. Then he finished 19 in MVP voting. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think with the role that he played, as significant as he was, granted he's playing beside Cal Ripken yeah. in the 90s, 
but he was the anchor on that on that '90s Baltimore pitching staff, which they were contenders. They made the playoffs and they they yeah. made runs, right? Like they, they did, were. Yeah. Those were some pretty good teams that they, like I said, had they been a little bit better and been able to get over the top, he'd have had 21 seasons. But I think he absolutely be- belongs in the Orioles Hall of Fame or uh, Mount Rushmore. Interesting. Well, we're not going to cross over there. I didn't think we would. I didn't think no. we would. In and fact, that's like I, I said, that's a that's a highly biased pick because of how big of a Messina fan I was that's of a, who played on a team that I had no business cheering for as a nine-year-old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just I have to disagree with you. I gotta go with a pitcher myself, but I gotta go a totally different direction on my next one. Okay. Uh this guy won three Cy Young Awards. And he finished top five in the Cy Young voting like another four four times or something like that. Let me look. One, two, three, four. Yeah, I was right. Four times. Five times. Oh, five times in the top five the years he didn't win the three Cy Young Awards. He was also number two in MVP voting one year where he did win the Cy Young Award, and he finished in MVP voting a bunch of times between one and 19. So he was an all-star six times, four-time gold glove as a pitcher, two-time ERA title, and three-time World Series champion. He's in the Hall of Fame. His name's Jim Palmer. Honestly, honestly, the fact that he's a three-time Cy Young Award winner and a three-time World Series champion and he spent 19 seasons with the same ball club. You're talking about an entire generation or two, mm-hmm. if you overlap them, of fans cheering on one guy every four or five days. And he was there every time and he came to bed. It came, he showed up. 1968, he did not play with injuries or he did not play any games because of injuries in 68. But otherwise, his entire career was spent in Baltimore. And you know, Brad, I'm a sucker for guys who spend their entire career with You are. You are a sucker for those kind of guys. So that's my bias showing for sure. But, I mean, these guys, his his career war, 68.5. 268 wins against 152 losses. Given the difficulty with wins-loss stats, I get it. But his career ERA is 2.86. Crazy. Yeah. And it, obviously, that's a great pick. I'm not going to take anything away from you because I'm not. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. My personal preference was Musina. That's, that's fair. Only fair. reason. It's okay. It's all right. Only reason. That's okay. All right, man. My next. This guy. is where it's going to start getting interesting, though. This is I why think, I'm I very think if we don't overlap on this brig, I'm going to be shocked. <laughs> shocked okay. about. So this is a guy who played, he played 21 years in the league. 13 of those years were played in Baltimore. Um, When I think of this guy, I think of him as an Oriole, obviously because he spent 13 years there, but he was kind of a journeyman. Played played for the Dodgers, played in Cleveland, played for the Mets, and had a cup of coffee, it looks like, with the Angels. So Hmm. uh, he's a Hall of Famer, (laughs) won the Rookie of the Year, eight-time All-Star, 83 World Series champion. Three-time Gold Glove, three silver, three silver sluggers. You know who I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about. I do. Yeah, I'm talking about Eddie Murray. Yeah, you are. Yeah. So, you know, you see <laughs> on social media a lot of times people will be like, they'll put up a logo of a team. They'll be like, "Who's one guy that comes to your mind when you see this logo?" 
for me right. with with the Orioles, it's not Cal Ripken. Unfortunately, it's not Mike Messina. It's Eddie Murray. Is really? the first guy who pops up. Yeah. Really? And I don't know why. I don't know why. And I don't know if it's like it's so weird because Brig, in my lifetime, he spent a total of like like of my like awareness of watching baseball. He's played 64 games for the Orioles in 96. Yeah. I probably watched 40 of those games, it felt like, for whatever <laughs> reason, when I was watching the Orioles and had no business doing it. Yeah, as yeah, a ten yeah, year old, yeah. right? <laughs> but yeah, to me, Eddie Murray is the Baltimore Orioles. Got to have the Astro Afro puffs on this on his. You got to have it on his Mount Rushmore statue. Um, sure. I, I don't know. There are a few guys who embody Baltimore Orioles more than him. And let's look at this for just a minute. Eighty one, he led the league with twenty two home runs and seventy eight RBIs. Al is a Baltimore Oriole. 84 led the league with 107 walks and a 410 on base percentage, which I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, on base, what did he do otherwise? Dude's getting on base. He's making stuff happen. And teams were afraid to pitch to him because he led the league in intentional walks in 82 and 84 with 18 and 25, respectively. Correct. And he holds the record for most sack flies. I love a sack fly. I don't know why. Yeah, I do too. 128 sack flies in his career. Dude could put the ball in play and make yeah. stuff happen. Won the rookie of the year, runner up in the MVP in 82 and 83, top five finish in 81, 84, and 85. Oh, and again in 90 with the Dodgers, but that doesn't really count for this conversation. Yeah. But yeah, no, Eddie Murray is one guy who is like burned into my mind as an Oriole. And maybe it has to do with baseball cards. I don't know. Could 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 be. Could be. But yeah. Okay. That's my number three. I am very excited to talk about this. Okay, let's do it. Because I have to disagree with you again. That's just fine. <laughs> That's why we do this. I you thought we were gonna overlap on this one, but we don't. <laughs> okay. Eddie Murray, I I wanted to put Eddie Murray on the ball. I didn't. I I didn't think we'd overlap on this one. Honestly. Okay. Good. I I, I thought maybe two. I thought maybe two. We'd overlap okay. on. I think we're going to overlap one more time. I think so. Okay. So the reason I I'm not going to put Eddie Murray on there is because he didn't play with his his entire career with with Baltimore. Now is that suddenly yeah. one of your requirements as of like no. today? No, okay. it's been a big deal for me forever, but this one I have okay. an argument for. Okay. Okay. I compared Adley Rutschman to Eddie Murray. Oh, really? And I wanted to see, I'm just curious because I wanted to see. I think Adley Rutschman, first of all, is my number three guy. Maybe he'll be he should for me should be in the number four slot because the well, other guy I mean, we technically they're not yet. they're not ranked. It's just a right. Okay. I, mean, I right. guess you put a guy in the put two guys in the middle, but whatever. So, so, yes, but so listen, okay. So look, <laughs> Eddie Murray played 13 seasons in Baltimore. Adley Rutschman's going to play his whole career in Baltimore. Just watch, like he's most gonna. likely. Yeah. Okay. He Murray had a 7.5 WAR in his first two seasons, offensively or to- total WAR, right? And had a negative 1.8 defensive WAR his first two seasons. Rutschman only has two seasons. Okay. Rutschman 
across the same two seasons has a 9.3 war. Okay. And a positive defensive war in his first two seasons. Okay. Rutschman also has a silver slugger already. His defensive war is 1.6 over the first two seasons. He sh- should have, in some argument, in some circles, won the rookie of the year. Okay. Both of them were all stars. Yeah. Both of them were all stars in their second seasons with Baltimore. Murray finished eighth in MVP voting his second year. Rutschman finished ninth his second season in the league. Okay. Rutschman Rutschman is going to participate in a Baltimore Orioles World Series. It's going to happen. Okay. You're calling the Orioles World Series right now. I don't know if they're going to win or lose, but they are going to participate in a World Series. They're going to make it. They're going to get a pennant. They're going to make it. Eddie Murray did. Eddie Murray won, right, in 83. Now, in his second season in the league, Rutschman hit 20 home runs. Murray hit 27 his second season in the league. I'm going to chalk that up to being the difference between I got to play behind the plate and that he's got to play first base. That's the difference for me there, right? I think Adley Rutschman, even after his first two seasons in Baltimore, is better than Eddie Murray, is projected to be better than Eddie Murray. I'm okay with that because Adley Rutschman is my fourth. (laughs) <laughs> oh okay <laughs> yeah i have him on there because oh, okay. it's just like what i did with corbin carroll like you you yeah, get, yeah. make a blank slate and save it for adley rushman after his career is all said and done then you mm-hmm. put him up up there on that mount rushmore because we've yeah. talked about this if we talked about it once we've talked about it a hundred times the baltimore orioles were in the race at the end of the season in the 2022 season because Adley Rutschman was on that team. They did not start to get competitive until they called him up. It was no coincidence that, no. that his his promotion and the turnaround of that team happened simultaneously. No Shifted everything. It 100%. did. And the 2023 Orioles winning 100 games, no coincidence that Adley Rutschman is like the captain of that team in his He's second about. year, his first full year at the big leagues. He's yes. going to be a star for decades as long as as long as they have him around, which hopefully, like you said, is his entire career. He is going to be a star. He's going to be Mr. Baltimore Oriole. He's going yep. to be the guy with that team. Gunnar Henderson will be right there with him, but yep. Adley Rutschman is the face of that franchise and leading that team to most likely. I think you're probably right. I think this team will get to a pennant eventually, yep. especially with this new ownership group willing to spend money. Yeah, they'll get there, and he's going to be the face. He's going to be the face of the team when they do. Hundred yeah, percent. No, absolute, nothing yeah. against Eddie Murray. Nothing. If, yeah. If we had to stop the Mount Rushmore conversation at 2023, you'd have to go with Eddie Murray. I would. I would have to. But because we don't have to, because we make up the rules and they don't matter, right? We can go with Adley Rutschman. <laughs> exactly right. We can. And and this is the thing. So you said you had a you had a runner up. My runner up would have been Brooks Robinson, and my runner up would have been Eddie Murray. There you go. So who's your I last have an honorable guy? mention? That's not my who, runner up. So <laughs> your runner because I still have one up? left. I've only given you, you three names. Right. That's what I was say. Who's your fourth guy? It's Brooks Robinson. I, I thought so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go through Brooks Robinson really quick. Hall of Fame. He won the MVP one time, two-time World Series champion, 
World Series MVP, by the way, 16-time Gold Glove, 18-time All-Star, All-Star Game MVP, spent, oh, what was it? His entire career in Baltimore, Brad, 23 seasons. Your new requirement. It's not new. It's just my favorite. Um, <laughs> you've never said, you've never highlighted so much as you have today not as, with guys. Not as much as And you've today. had that, guys who have not spent their entire career well, make it on your Mount Rushmore. That's true. <laughs> but I think if there's an abundance, if if I have a lots of choices and I get to pick nitpick between guys who did or didn't. And You're going to pick the guys could, who. That'll yeah. be the deal breaker for me. Yeah. Yeah. That'll I be the, that. the deal breaker. <laughs> anyway, Brooks Robinson, third baseman, just absolutely terrific. Career wards 78.4 over those 23 seasons. Just stellar, man. Just yeah. shy of the 3,000 hit club at 2848. So, how did he, how did 30 guys not vote for him? Did those I don't 30 know. guys just assume, did those 30 people just assume that he was going to get in so they put their votes somewhere else? Or are they just curmudgeons? Curmudgeons. Let's call Most them. Most likely. Most likely. I think you're right. Okay. Um, are you ready for what ChatGPT said about the Orioles Mount Rushmore? I am. Okay. I'm just going to read the internet. Okay. Read the internet. So my, my prompt was, please. I always say please when I use ChatGPT, just in case, because you never know. You did. Try. It said, please list the Baltimore Orioles Mount Rushmore. And so it said, creating Mount Rushmore of the Baltimore Orioles involves selecting four individuals who have had the most significant impact on the team's history. Here's a list that represents a mix of players, managers, and other influential figures associated with the Orioles. Number one, as you would expect, Cal Ripken Jr., known as the Iron Man. Ripken is one of the most iconic figures in Orioles history. He spent his entire 21-year career with the team, setting the MLB record for consecutive games played, 2,632. Ripken was a 19-time All-Star, two-time American League MVP, and a key player during the Orioles' successful years in the 1980s and early 1990s. A little aside here, I I just can't wait for one of the days that Chat GPT gives us bogus information because that happens all the time. Anyway, <laughs> number two, Brooks Robinson, widely yeah. regarded as one of the greatest third basemen of all time. Robinson spent his entire twenty three year career with the Orioles. He won sixteen Gold Glove awards and was the World Series MVP in nineteen seventy when the Orioles clinched the championship. Robinson's defensive prowess and leadership made him a beloved figure in Baltimore. Okay, here we go. Number three, Earl Weaver. I knew As the it. Orioles manager from 1968 to 1982 and again in 1985 to 1986, Earl Weaver left an indelible mark on the franchise. He led the team to four American League pennants and a World Series championship in 1970. Weaver's fiery personality and strategic acumen made him one of the most successful managers in MLB history. And then number four, are you ready? Oh, boy. Frank Robinson. Robinson made history as the first African-American manager in MLB when he took the helm of the Cleveland Indians in 1975. However, he also had a significant playing career with the Orioles. He won the Triple Crown in 1966, leading the team to a World Series victory and earning the AL MVP award. Mm -hmm. Robinson's impact as both a player and a trailblazer in baseball management earns him a spot on the Orioles' Mount Rushmore. Then the bottom says these individuals have made have made enduring contributions to the Baltimore Orioles, leaving an indelible mark on the franchise's history and earning their places on the team's Mount Rushmore. Eventually, somebody will be pushed out for Adley Rushman as he becomes the new face of the franchise. For oh, that's not that's not. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hold on. I, I want let's get into Frank Robinson really quick because this is a really great uh uh resume. Okay. okay. Hall of Famer won 370 out of 415 ballots, two-time MVP, rookie of the year, triple crown winner. We need to go over what that means one day because that's a big deal. Yes, we do. 14-time All-Star, two World Series wins, only one gold glove, which is very odd to me. World Series MVP, All-Star MVP, batting title, Major League Player of the Year, and Manager of the Year. His career war is 107.3. Just let that sink in for a minute. Cal Ripkins was like 95 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, He led the league. uh, It it was uh, 1966 is when he led the league in every damn thing. And uh, that's awesome. What a so guy. Earl Weaver, real quick, as a manager, he only managed for the Orioles. Yeah, total of seventeen years. Um, I've got a win loss record of fourteen eighty wins, one thousand four hundred eighty wins, and one thousand sixty losses. That is a win loss percentage of fifty five eighty three. It's killer. So that is better than fifty four percent break. That'll get you in the playoffs. <laughs> Earl Weaver was my honorable mention. Like was if he? I, I, yeah, if I was gonna give me, if you were your gonna runner give up me to a, your runner up, my runner up to my runner up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he would have meant Earl Weaver for sure. Nice baseball family. Let us know what you think. Did we totally botch the the Mount Rushmore predictions or or votes or whatever we're gonna call them? Nominations. Uh, nominations brad always corrects me on that because i always forget the word and he never does so that's really great (laughs) Um, (laughs) what do you think though put them in the comments below and uh send it to your friends so they can comment and if you think we're way off base we want to know if you agree with us we want to know that too um don't forget you can also send us uh messages in the mailbag at baseballtogether.com you can slide into our dms we're on tiktok instagram facebook Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review the channel wherever you're able to because we're everywhere, and we like likes, and we really like subscribes, and we like ratings that are really good, (laughs) but we'll take bad ones if we have to. It's fine. Um, Anyway, and then the last thing I wanted to tell you is if you really dig what we're doing here, you can jump onto patreon.com. It's the best way. It's the easiest way to support the show. We have five tiers of support, $1, $5, 10, 15, and $500 tiers of support. Brad's got them all named. I think they're very cool. One of them's like the Hall of Fame tier, and that's my favorite one because there's some bag of goodies in there that we get to participate in and it's super no, that's the commissioner. I think that's the commissioner tier. Oh, commissioner. Yeah, yeah, commissioner. Yeah, commissioner Whatever. tier is the big one. one. That's the, the big, big one. one. Yeah, and we have to yeah. give a scout out, a shout out, a shout a scout out, a shout out. Scott Klein, our newest rooter to join us on Patreon. Thank you for your support. We greatly appreciate you jumping in yeah, there and becoming one of our rooters. The baseball family, like Briggs said, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you can, especially on the YouTube machine. We've seen so much support on YouTube, and we would love even more because it's amazing. It's super cool, and it's lots of fun. We'll catch <laughs> you next week.